You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever episode of Spotlight Series with Josh Chernoff here on Premier Streaming Network. I'm Josh Chernoff, and I am so excited to be able to bring you this brand new show. This is a show where when we have an opportunity to shine that spotlight on somebody special or something special, well, that's when they dust me off. I come out here and I conduct that interview, and man, do we have an interview for you today. We are talking all about Masters of Puppets currently running for the next two weeks at the Legacy Theater in Branford, Connecticut. And I had the opportunity to see this this past Friday. Uh, it was an excellent, excellent stage show that we are going to talk all about in a minute with my guest, the first guest ever on Spotlight Series. He's perhaps best known as Sean Spencer from the hit television series and subsequent movies, Psych, and of course, known as Gary Mendez from the ABC hit show A Million Little Things, which just wrapped up its fifth and final season. Please welcome the producer of Masters of Puppets, James Roday Rodriguez. Josh, thanks for having me. You look well. You look crisp. Thank you. You look dignified. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm enjoying your mustache. So am I, man. That makes two of us. Nice, yeah. You know, I was a child of the 80s. And mustaches had very different connotations and stigmas back then. It meant that you were cool yeah. and uh, that you were, you know, like a, like a firm round-toed boot or perhaps you were a private investigator in Hawaii. And these were all good things. Nice. Well, you have, a, you have some history as a private investigator. I do, although I, I was never able to do it with my own mustache. Oh. Um, so I guess I'm making up for lost time in a way. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, right off the bat, you know, people are going to be angry if I don't ask uh, the next psych movie that's happening, right? It's going to happen eventually. Yeah, I sure hope so. Okay. There, there certainly seems to be uh, some momentum for it. Our, our, our fans are the best and, and they always have an appetite for it. Uh, yeah, as I'm sure you've heard, uh, the writers are currently on strike. Yes. I, I suspect the actors are going to be joining them shortly. So we're all on a bit of a, a forced vacation at the moment. But once that all clears itself up uh, and and the uh, business opens up again, uh, you know there is a script. It's with the right people. Uh, there's a process that we always have to go through in order to get one of these things made, and I and I think that process will begin in earnest once the strike is over. So awesome! I think there's there's room for hope and uh, and cautious optimism. Yeah, and in the meantime, you get to enjoy the mustache. So it's a win-win. I don't know if you could tell, but I'm pointing directly at you, Josh, right now. Pointing right at your face. Directly at me? Thank you. That's what that is. If I do that again, that's what I'm doing. Excellent. You, man, that's what it means. Right back at you. So let's talk about why we're actually here, though. Masters of Puppets. I had the opportunity to go on what I think was the official opening night um, this Good. past Friday. Uh, man, what, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Obviously, lifelong wrestling fan myself. Uh, also, you know, I was a theater kid in high school. So looking at it, I'm like, Hey, this is amazing. Uh, it was excellent. It was an excellent, excellent play. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you right off the bat 
was the inspiration behind it. Now, you were one of the producers. You were not the, the writer of it, but I wanted to know, what was the inspiration uh, behind this project to bring this kind of behind the scenes of professional wrestling to the stage? Well, like you, I, I was a fan uh, from the time I, you know, I could, I was, you know, kindergarten probably. Uh, my dad was a fan, uh, watched a lot of wrestling growing up. It was sort of in our DNA. And then got away from it, you know, as I got into high school and, and college, I I sort of missed out on most of the Attitude Era. Uh, and then, you know, once once I got psych and I was on the USA Network, there was a lot of cross-promotional stuff with, with the WWE. And that's what sort of like, that's what put me back in wrestling's orbit because I was meeting these men and women and being sort of fascinated by them. Sure. Uh, and, and learning to appreciate, you know, the, the art form in a new way. Uh, and I just had a ton more respect um, knowing what they do to themselves, you know, 300 nights a year. So I, I kind of, I came out of hibernation and became like a full-fledged fan again. And somewhere in that, uh, in, in that little window, uh, a good buddy of mine who I had gone to uh, college with uh, needed a gig. And I knew that a certain uh, wrestling organization, I can't remember what it was called, uh, needed writers. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, this person actually spent uh, a few years um, writing for said organization and came back with uh, a wealth of experience um, both on the road and not on the road and said, you know, I think I gotta, I think I have to write about this. And I said, I think you should too. Um, how are we going to craft this story? Like what if, what a, what a fantastic backdrop, uh, what a great world to play in. Um, let's make sure that it's not too, you know, insider baseball. Let's make sure that anyone who comes to see this play can, can appreciate the themes that we're working with maybe learn a little something they didn't know about professional wrestling, but never feel alienated. Right. And we were both, you know, fans of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And he's like, you know, what if we just sort of make it about, a, you know, the, the power dynamic uh, of marriage? And it just so happens that this marriage is sort of at the top of a wrestling empire. And that was really where we started. And then the play changed a lot over the years because this was a long development process. Um, I would say close to a decade of just reordering things, reworking the story, taking stuff out, putting stuff back in. Um, but what's truly fascinating to me in all of it is that a lot of the stuff that probably felt incredibly topical to you mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to where wrestling is has been in the play for a while. Right, we were talking about that on Friday. Like well before yeah. that stuff started to happen, which you know, kind of kind of makes me feel like the playwright is you know is a bit of a of a soothsayer that you know you're able to sort of predict the future a little bit. But yeah, I mean the truth is we we're both wrestling fans, and it was not it was never our uh, intent to like hey let's you know let's dark side of the ring this industry let's let's go after this thing that we love I, I i would have done the same thing if i you know had produced a play about football which is also you know a sport that i is in my bones you know I, it's something that interests me there's 
you know, my fandom is certainly built baked into it. Um, I, I kind of view this play as a, a love letter that just happens to be really bloody, you know? So one of the things that stood out to me with this was the cast. Um, and as I was talking, I mean, these were people that you have a ton of experience working with. These are friends of yours. They're in this cast. Uh, what was the, the process in that getting this group of, I'd say at least to a fan like myself, mainly TV actors, um, some of the best TV actors of course started on the stage. And I want to talk to you about that in a minute too, but what was the process in, in casting this? Um, and of course a shout out to Kurt Fuller who, it's so my first time meeting him on Friday. Could not have been a nicer guy and could not have played that part any better. But what was the process? Yeah, Kurt's the best. And, uh, of course, he was in No Holds Barred. So mm-hmm. that was kind of – that one was a no-brainer. Uh, these are all actors uh, – well, I shouldn't say all. Um, four of the actors in the play um, are f- fabulous performers with whom I have very deep and rich history. And I – have either cast them uh, in television shows that I was directing or um, movies that I've done or plays that I've produced um, because I had a theater company with another uh, dude from NYU in Los Angeles for 20 years and we produced quite a few plays and Kurt was in uh, two of them and Amanda was in three of them um, and Dana was in one and and Michael Hogan uh, who played Rainy Days uh has been a bunch in a bunch of TV stuff with me and we went to college together. So I framed it as, Hey, uh, this is going to be like, you know, drama camp. So go back to your, you know, your teenage years and it's going to be like a family reunion. And it's, you know, it's, it's an intense three week rehearsal period, three, three week run. It's, it's not going to cost you a ton of time. Uh, let's all remember why we, we got into this and how much we love the theater and you sort of, Anytime you, you you challenge an actor in that way, it you know while they may resent you momentarily, you know they they ultimately are like man, you know you're twisting my arm to go do a, a play for not a lot of money, and then they get there and of course they have a blast and they love the people that they're working with and uh, and in this particular case, the fact that uh, the WJ went on strike was even better because they couldn't be working on anything else anyway. Right. So we're all just sort of playing with house money, and and it was great. A lot of those uh, folks hadn't seen each other in a minute, and got to catch up. And uh, yeah, it's just it was just basically me uh, going through the old uh, Rolodex and seeing who I could uh, squeeze a little, stretch a little. <laughs> well, it was it was great though, and uh, the rainy days character as well was uh, that was a phenomenal character that brought. There was also this balance. I mean, this was kind of presented as a, a drama, but there was definitely a decent amount of comedy in there as well. Um, his, him in particular, but also Kurt's character as well was, there was a lot of comedy in there. Um, so the balance, yeah, there's a ton of levity. And again, it's because, you know, the, the, the tagline in, in the play is that they put smiles on people's faces and they do like, that is a, that is a fact. And, it, and, and we in no way, wanted to suggest that that's not true, which is why, you know, we felt like the play had to be as entertaining as going to see, you know, a live show. Um, you should, you should feel that way walking out. Like you've been in, you've been entertained. And that was, 
sort of a, a huge uh, a huge box that we needed to check, you know, regardless of the the, the plotting of the, of the play or what story we were telling. It was like, look, this play's about wrestling, and wrestling is fun, so the play's got to be fun. So why the Legacy Theater in Connecticut? What's your attachment to them? The artistic director of the Legacy uh, is a woman named Keely Baisden, who I have known since I was 12 years old. We went to middle school together in San Antonio, Texas, and then high school, and then after she went off and I, I want to say like danced professionally for a while, she ended up landing at NYU. And so we actually did a couple years of college together too. So uh, a lot of history there. The legacy is her baby. It's her vision. Um, she found an old sort of dilapidated theater in Stony Creek, Connecticut, that had rich history, but had kind of sort of, they'd let it go, and it was basically just a place where rock concerts happened, um, and said, I want to turn this into a theater again. I want to start making theater, and did a beautiful multi-million dollar renovation, and the space is gorgeous, and now it's just time for people to uh, realize what they've got on their hands in this community. Um, so I think it was a, a mutually beneficial marriage for us of, you know, developing a new play and needing a cool place to do it and her having a cool place and wanting to put eyes on this theater. Uh, so it all, it all kind of worked out and it was great to collaborate with her again after all these years as well. Do you think producing a play is kind of, obviously you're coming off of five years on a million little things, a hugely successful show. Um, was this almost like kind of like a, I don't want to say a palate cleanser, but like almost like you had mentioned before, kind of going back to that, back to your roots, back to, you know, high school or college or something. And was that kind of the idea of saying, hey, let's do it now? Uh, did you decide, hey, let's do it now because oh, the writers are on strike. Now's the time. Let's jump. That was just fortuitous. We, we'd had this slot for almost a year because, you oh, know, okay. they programmed their seasons a year in advance. So we knew that this was the, uh, the slot that we had. And I did it because I knew that I would at least be finished with a million little things and could come and be some sort of presence. Uh, and and absolutely, like I love being in a theater. I miss being in a theater. My favorite thing is developing new plays. I mean, that's I think what I'm most passionate about is telling new stories and amplifying new voices because there are plenty of people out there producing the plays that we know and love and have seen you know, dozens of times, but, you know, new play development is just as important so that an, another generation can look back at the great shit that, you know, we did. Sure. Um, and, and it's just a different process, you know, when the playwright is there and you're solving problems in the moment and you're rewriting on the go and you're making the play better and, and you're lifting up things and you're making things clear. It's just stuff that doesn't exist, you know, when you're doing a play that's already been produced and, all you do, you have the rights to it, and you can say the words. That's it. You know, you can set it in McDonald's if you want, but there's really not a whole lot that you can do artistically uh, to change the game. And with a new play, all bets are off. Um, special appearance by uh, Claude the Mastiff there. Oh, hello. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. For me, it, it's it, it's an absolute palate cleanser, man. And I and I need to do it uh, more often. And that's something I say to myself. Uh, at the beginning of every new year, like you gotta, you gotta figure out a way to do more theater, and the legacy could very well end up being uh, the answer to that. Uh, I recently joined the board, and it's a great group of people who are really interested in um, 
finding that balance between you know putting on shows that appeal to their subscribing either subscription base and then you know making sure that we develop a new work every year so as much as i can help them do that um i'm in that's really cool the uh you talked about the the different processes um any of your experience in television does that help or does that kind of are there times when you're working on something for the theater that you have to say like okay no that's my television brain shut off stop interfering is there is there stuff that kind of i I assume there's some stuff that kind of works for both but what's that like for you uh it's a great question you know the good news about tv is that it's you're basically on an assembly line and you're churning these things out you know in seven or eight days of pop and you know there are some times that you don't get the script until the night before you start shooting an episode and you got to be light on your feet and you know you got to be able to adapt so in in that sense there's really nothing there's not a lot of, of preciousness going on you know when you're making television uh and so, you know, when it comes to theater, especially, you know, developing a new play, you know, the idea that you know, kind of everything is in play and, 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 you know, nothing is sacred is very useful. Um, you know, coming from television where, you know, you might get new pages right before a scene or you might see something that you thought was kind of cool get cut, you know, before you ever even get to shoot it. Like, it, it's definitely a, a stay in the moment, be present kind of mentality, um, which I think helps uh, when you're working on something new and on new material, I, I have primarily like when it comes to directing, at least, you know, it's either been movies or TV for a while now. So I, I do think you start to think, you know, very cinematically, like, what am I going to do with a camera, uh, versus, okay, I'm in a proscenium theater. Uh, this is the fourth wall. People are only looking from one direction and that is a different muscle for sure. Um, it's also very tempting to like, you know, incorporate multimedia and use a bunch of tricks to make a, a play start to feel more like a movie. But the truth is like, there are movies already. There are plenty of movies, you know, where you to go to go to see one and theater offers a completely different experience. So, um, to your, to your point, there are moments, especially when I'm directing theater, where I have to stop myself and say, no, no, that's my, that is my movie brain. And, uh, and really challenge myself to, to solve things in a different way um, than just making it feel, you know, more like a movie. Do you have any um, aspirations for you and, of course, the writer and the rest of the crew? Um, you talked about the cast coming in. This was kind of a, a one-off, this three-week run. And I should mention that, that there's still two more weekends of this show. So absolutely, yes. we'll make sure that all the information is out on our social media uh, for people to find it. Cause if you're anywhere within the, you know, within a couple of hours, make the trip. Um, do you have any plans for the future outside of this initial run? Any, any plans for this to move on to a different theater yeah, or continue? At that's the hope. And, and by the way, before I even go forward, I, I should, I should make crystal clear. I did not direct this play either. It was directed uh, brilliantly by Gabe McKinley. who's another uh, NYU uh, alum that I've known for uh, a very long time, uh, who I who I brought in knowing that ha- he had a base appreciation for wrestling, um, but nothing to the extent that the playwright and I had, and so he he was a fresh pair of eyes, and he brought a whole different set of ideas to it, and I thought he did a great job in a very short period of time in a very specific space, because uh, it's a it's a big it's a big play, especially on paper and. 
and to sit in that theater and go, huh, all right, there's six or seven locations throughout Madison Square Garden and six actors and wrestling and flashbacks, like, how are we going to do this? Uh, you know, I thought he was economical and I thought he was, it was very, very sharply directed, so I want to give props to Gabe. I also want to um, say if I could uh, give props to the whoever designed the set. The, the way that that maneuvered throughout the play was incredible, the thought that went into that. So I just want to say that was something that jumped out to me. That was excellent as well. Yeah, yeah. that was Jamie, who also uh, is the light designer. He wears many hats uh, for the Legacy Theater uh, and did a fantastic job, uh, as did Golly, who designed the costumes. Uh, it's a good, it's a slick-looking show. Uh, definitely, definitely proud of, of how the show looks, for sure. Uh, and to answer your question, uh, the idea is to find perhaps uh, someplace else to move the show. Um, you know, maybe with a little bit uh, more of a budget and a little bit of a longer run, um, whether that be in, in New York City or a really nice, you know, regional space, you know, maybe Los Angeles. Uh, you know, we do have a publicist and we are putting out feelers. And, and that's, again, that's, that's something else that I think it would be great to tap into for the legacy theater is as a place where new works are developed and then sort sure. of go off into the world, always remembering where they started. Uh, I think that would be a, a sort of a, a great play, a, a great way for, for the legacy to put themselves on the map as well. Well, before I let you go, I know you are a busy man. I really do appreciate you taking the time here. Um, I could talk to you for hours. Obviously I, I'm a longtime fan of psych million little things, uh, all of your work. So it was really cool to be able to see something that was more of a, a passion project for you um, to be able to see that and, and go. Uh, but one question I need to ask you about professional wrestling. Yes, all time, let's do it. All time. Favorite wrestler, favorite match. All right. I put you on the spot here. You did. I, but I feel like this is a fluid question. And if you asked me, 10 times I would probably come up with 10 different answers but that's fair but what I can give you what I can give you is today's today's answer <laughs> uh all time and this is also this could be broken into two parts as you know we could be we, you could be asking me who's your favorite uh personality who's the best talker who's the that's best true. worker it's 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 tough. It's a complicated question, yeah. I think the top person on each of those lists, quite frankly, are different. Okay. Like I don't know that there is one person that you could say is the best talker, the best worker. Like I think from when I was a kid and and it was like going to the circus and you had no idea how the sausage was made. Uh I would probably have to go with Piper. Okay. Uh, because he managed to be a heel that you also couldn't not laugh at and be entertained by. Like, he was aces on the mic. And then he would get in the ring, and at least for me, usually, like, oh, I would always get surprised. Like, oh, he, yeah, Roddy can actually work a little too. <laughs> Like that wasn't what he was known for, right? But you know, he could get in there and 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 show some color and take some you know take some abuse. And he he had some pretty big matches in in the eighties. So I think I would say for that era of me, I would go with with Rowdy Roddy Piper. 
And then for adult me being reintroduced into, into the wrestling landscape, I don't know I've seen anybody do it better than Shawn Michaels. I just don't, I don't think I've seen anybody do it like, like he did it. Yeah, you're um, not going to get a lot of arguments with, with those answers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Not, not the best talker, but certainly good enough mm-hmm. to go along with what he could do in a wrestling ring. Uh, the way he could sell for anybody, uh, pretty phenomenal um, and fun to watch. And a San Antonio dude. And then um, I would be remiss if I didn't give shout outs to, uh, you know, the royal couple of wrestling, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins, because I think they're both uh, they're both crushing it uh, uh, in this very moment in time. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much. I'm going to let you yeah. go. That was very detailed. Thank you very much. Okay, fair fair I was going to let you go. I was going to let you slide on that, no, but okay. No. Um, because we all, because some of us actually know the the story behind it, um, I always go back to uh, Bret Hart, Davy Boy Smith in the UK, ninety two, yeah, where uh, you know Davy got to got to t- take the title in front of his you know, hometown fans. But the but the narrative and the legend behind that match, which is that, you know, Brett was having to call every second of it because Davy Boy was blasted, yep. you know, could you know, barely knew what was going on. It just makes you appreciate it like on such a different level of like, wow, what a what a technician, what a craftsman to be able to have us all believing that this was one of the best matches that we've ever seen when one of the two competitors was like Lights out, uh, unbelievable! Like yeah. props to props to Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, Bret Hart's my personal favorite of all time. So I'm yeah, I'm with you on that. I think he was incredible, underrated yeah. uh, if that's possible. But yeah, I think he is underrated, and I, and I think the reason he's underrated is is because he was never because of when he left, he was never the guy, right? He was never the Rock or or Stone Cold or Hogan. Like, he got very close to the top of the mountain, and then his problems with Vince is sort of what prevented him from actually being that person who had a full reign, which I think would have bumped him up on a lot of lists. And then, you know, he didn't... He wasn't a big talker, man. He just, no, he just he wasn't. wasn't. No, yeah. no, <laughs> no, he really wasn't, but he but he entertained in the ring. That was, you know... Hell yeah, he did. But, uh, Hell yeah, he did. For anyone who hasn't seen that match in a while, like, yeah, go I would check say, it out. go back and watch it. Like knowing that Davy Boy Smith kind of showed up, not knowing where he was, and appreciated it in a whole new way. <laughs> and now, while we're here on Premier Streaming Network, I will say go watch it on Peacock because you can also watch those Psych movies and Psych right. General on Peacock. So you know, hey, let's let's spread well, the love there. Shopping, yep. Well, hey, not. thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really enjoyed the show, Masters of Puppets at Legacy Theater. We have two more weeks, so. Go check it out. We'll have all the information in our social media. James Rodé Rodriguez, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for caring, Josh. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, James, for taking the time to join me here on the first episode of Spotlight Series. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I hope that you will go, if you are anywhere in the area of Connecticut, go and check out the Legacy Theater Masters of Puppets. I have a feeling it's going to be coming to a place near you soon enough. It was excellent. 
For James Roday Rodriguez, I am Josh Chernoff, and this is Spotlight Series. We'll see you again next time on Premier Streaming Network.